I'm Caden. And I'm Nathaniel, otherwise known as Toki Joestar. It's a pleasure to be here. So, we'll start this off. Do you want to explain your name, Toki Joestar? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, basically, uh, a couple years ago, I started making some videos and uh, TikToks and things like that, or roughly about the same time, speaking of dogs, that uh, my, my dog passed away. Uh, and okay. the dog's name was Toki, Toki Joseph, which is short for Tolkien Joseph. Is super fancy sounding Tolkien for a Shih Tzu. So it's a short name of a short name? Yeah, literally. So, so the way it worked was uh, my family and I uh, could never afford a dog or any kind of pet outside of like goldfish, you know? Uh, and uh, I always wanted a puppy, but there's no way I could possibly ever afford one with my, my dad being a pastor and not making right. too much money, uh, just enough to kind of scrape by. Um, my grandparents' neighbors got a little pet shih tzu they called Toki. And they're like, well, look at this little puppy. And they're showing them to us. And we're like, wow, this is, this is perfect because I'm allergic to most dogs, but shih tzus are hypoallergenic. Uh, so I was like, oh, this is amazing. Um, so I, I went home that like night and I'm, I was just praying hardcore, like, I really want a puppy. Uh, after a few weeks, uh, we got a phone call from those neighbors saying, we found out that, you know, this is going to be a little bit more of a commitment than we were ready for. Right. So... Uh, we have this puppy. Uh, would you like him? And they just gave him to us for free. Um, it's a pretty good deal. It, it was it was amazing. It's definitely a God thing. It's like one of those things that's just kind of works out for, you know, for some some reason. But uh, he lived for ten and a half years, and then he got really sick one day, uh, just out of nowhere. Um, and so we had to put him down. It just kind of like an autoimmune thing, or like a bug or virus. We don't know what exactly what it was, but. Uh, it was super sad, and it happened on Valentine's Day. So, like, I was Dang. like, yeah, ruined Valentine's Day for me. Um, but roughly that time, I'd been on TikTok for about a year and a half. I had grown an account just doing weird memes and things like that back around 2019, 20, yeah, 2019, 2018. And uh, so I, I made a new account just to start over, start fresh. Uh, just leaving behind like, you know, 60,000 followers or whatever right. and uh, being like, let's just start over. And I called the account Toki Joestar, combining, the, you know, a little memory of my puppy, um, his name Toki Joe right. with Joe Joestar, like, you know, Jonathan Joestar, like the JoJo's oh, yes. Bizarre Adventures. So, so a little bit of an anime reference and very, very an homage to my dog. So before we dive in, you do a lot of things. I do too many things. A lot of things. So <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Nathaniel does handpan. Uh, he does... Why don't you go ahead and list some of the stuff that you okay. do? Because there's well, more than I... Well, I play handpan, which is an interesting percussion instrument, steel drum. Uh, I play a bunch of stringed instruments, guitar, ukulele, mandolin, tried dulcimer... I, I'm, if it makes noise, I will pick it up and try it. A lot of random weird wind instruments. I have this ocarina with me. Yeah. So to keep in mind here, we actually have, since this will be on Spotify, mm -hmm. we have to describe everything. So oh, you're right, right, right. It, yeah, right. so if you want to go ahead and describe what a ocarina is. Yeah, that for those of you awesome. who don't know, uh, or were raised around people who are Nintendo nerds or geeks, uh, an ocarina is a, a little sweet potato-shaped uh, kind of clay pot flute that uh, exists in a bunch of different cultures. Uh, kind of looks like a gun turned upside down. Um, you've, you've probably seen it without knowing it. 
uh, but they have a very sweet and rich uh, hollow tone to them. It's very warm and pleasant. Um, they have a bunch of different varieties and versions from uh, places around the world. It seems like most cultures will come to the point where they're like, hey, we have clay, and when we blow in it, it makes funny noises. They have, so, so eventually they just come to what we now know as an ocarina or ocarina. I'm not sure. The ex- I always pronounce it as ocarina, but I also was like, I'm pretty sure I'm European, wrong. I know I'm in so. the I'm I'm in the wrong here. Like here let's let's look it up for fun. Yeah, let's I let's just make sure. Bothered. You you look it up and I'll play a little bit of the yeah, Clock Town yeah. theme because Nintendo music is not not copyright worrying, so we're good. <laughs> you gotta stop making faces, Kate. <laughs> What's going on? Wait, I was just digging it. Like, I was just digging it, bro. <laughs> hey, what's hey, man? Ocarina. Ocarina. It's so close to like the middle ground of those. Wait, wait. Ocarina. Yeah, it's the same. Ocarina. It's oc, not oak. Both, both valid though. Either yeah. way, it works. But yeah, Definitely I just like awesome. I just like the the process of collecting strange instruments. I brought plenty with me today. But yeah, so we'll dig into those. So, what was your first experience with music that you can remember? Um, my dad had a guitar when I was a baby that he would use to sing to me every night. Uh, he wrote songs for me, and uh, because I was the first child i i definitely got to spend the most time with my parents so um it was great i still remember i think it was maybe two or three but some of my earliest memories are just playing with him and his guitar um as a uh younger kid maybe around like five five or six um my parents got me a drum set and uh some like first act instruments oh yeah that we all kind of junked around on and my mom was a uh, voice and piano teacher um, at our church, so she would give piano lessons, and I picked up piano from her um, and took some lessons for a while, got into it for a bit, and then just kind of stopped. Um, but I have always had a really good ear for music, which is a blessing and a curse, because when you have a good ear, you're like, oh, yeah, no, I can figure this out. But then you don't end up working as hard as you probably could to practice. I think it's, I think that's interesting because being I think we're all very similar in that boat, mm. which is just kind of fun. Aside to, from Caden, because I know he practices all the freaking time. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, in the sense of having an ear. Yeah. It yeah. Def- it's definitely a strange thing yeah, to yeah, just relative, have. Yeah. Like it's it's definitely. You know what sounds good enough yeah. to build something and then when you from. talk to people who don't you realize how much of a gift that is and yeah. you're like wait not ev- not all, everyone just knows very, what's good a very nice Intuitive. foundational yeah. relative pitch mm-hmm. so would you say that your dad and mom were a, a, a large influence on your music then? oh absolutely um my in, dad in which ways i guess my dad would always as a little baby kind of make me parrot words, things like that, which just from like, can you do this? Can you do that? And I'd parrot it back. And that positive reinforcement starts there as this this kind of performance understanding of, of just like living day-to-day life where it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's like, 
can you do this? Right. And when no matter what I did, he was always happy or always pleased with it. And because of that kind of like interaction every day for hours a day, I started talking at like seven or eight months. Yeah. It's just like full words, full sentences. And then just haven't stopped since. It never. Not <laughs> once. I can't shut up. Um, but yeah, uh, I feel like that definitely played into music because uh, after third grade, I was homeschooled. Just okay. kind of the situations that we were uh, living in at that time made it. Were you in Ludington at that time? No, not at all. Um, so because my dad is a minister, I have moved around quite a bit. Um, not as, you know, probably about as much as most people. But uh, I grew up in Hastings, Michigan. Where, um, where is that at? Roughly like central Michigan area. Maybe okay. a little More bit. Closer towards Kalamazoo. Closer towards Grand Rapids. Okay. Like 30 minutes out from Grand Rapids. Okay. Um, I think it's a little bit north or south. I, I'm, I don't quite remember. Um, but uh, was in public school there for just preschool to second grade. Uh, never did well in, in school. Always was too busy entertaining people to yeah. try and focus on learning anything. Um, so when I was homeschooled, my mom had gone to school uh, and had graduated from GVSU. After graduating from Mount Holyoke with a teaching degree in music, uh, she like traveled to like Italy and spent a year abroad, uh, like learning all kinds of stuff about music. And uh, at one point was probably one of the better singers, specifically at, in the Mount Holyoke College. I'm not sure what it was like. Uh, women's collegiate choir or something like that. I'm not, that's pretty cool, but she was very talented soprano. Um, so I, I just have a lot of like musical influence either from my mom or dad with you right. know, my, my dad always interacting with me in a very musical way. My mom, uh, literally being a te- both a teacher. So she was able to give my sisters and I like an honest to gosh, like decent education from so home. So are your sisters musically inclined as well? Some of them, not all of them. Uh, all of them at least love singing. Uh, right. We, we were all, uh, we always loved worship in, in church and things like that. Um, my sister Jocelyn has been picking up ukulele and some like singing and things like that, just kind of in her spare time. I don't think any of them really do it too close to the kind of stuff I do. It's right. more just recreational, but it's definitely a part of their lives. So, uh, a couple questions. What would you say as a kid if you had to pick? Uh, in let's say around middle school, what would be three of your favorite either artists or albums from that time? <laughs> That's period? the funny thing about me. I never listened to much outside of worship music. Okay. And so. In, well, those count too. Well, they do. What were, what were yeah. your favorite or what was um, your favorite worship artist or so songs? So for a while it was a band called Sonic Flood uh, because the main singer, I had an opportunity to meet in person. Uh, right after I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, which is another big part of my life. I know that right. we're you know mainly focusing on the music. We'll, we'll aspect, touch on that. Yeah. We'll go about. We'll talk yeah. about that. But uh, right after I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, this mainstream singer, songwriter, artist that I looked up to, who made music I loved listening to, literally met with me and prayed with me and said, you know, it it sucks. It really does. But you know, God's got you through it, and he he still help. You know, he's still helping me with my my Crohn's disease as well. So you, you got people looking out for you. And I was like, wow, this is super cool. So he had mm-hmm. Crohn's also. Yes. And wow. he was uh, living as an adult on the road with, with Crohn's disease, talking about needing like NG tubing, which is the 
uh, nightly um, tubing that you'd insert into your nose that goes into your stomach that you would. So for those of so people so for people who don't know, you want to just and even me, I'm on I'm not fully educated. Mm-hmm. Describe what is Crohn's disease like. So yeah, I have uh, two autoimmune diseases. The one being Crohn's disease, the other being EOE. Um, Crohn's disease is a, an autoimmune disorder of the digestive tract, specifically what's known as the ileocecal, this evil-sounding <laughs> part of your your digestion. Uh. It just causes a lot of um, like chronic pain and digestion-related issues, a lot of malabsorption and malnutrition. Um, and for most people, editing their diet to avoid sugars and dairy or wheat or things like that, the things that their Crohn's disease happens to be sensitive to and the proteins that cause them that kind of discomfort tends to be enough. However, uh, for those where it is not, their just immune system is cranked up to like an 11 um, just because of uh, either a genetic like deficiency uh, or in my case, uh, early like onset treatment. So like overabundance of antibiotics as a kid, it's been pretty well studied that like if you had a lot of ear infections as a kid and they just constantly treated you with antibiotics, they know now like you strip your, uh, your child's gut of all the good healthy bacteria in addition to the unhealthy bacteria that are, you know, in your ears or throat or nose or whatever is causing the infection. You, you do that enough times and you just don't have any of the starter culture left. That's strong enough to like, as your wow. immune system develops to, to keep you in a good place. And it creates this power vacuum that leads to these kind of disorders. So you would definitely say, or how would you say that having Crohn's has affected you to make, would you say that it's been a contributing factor to who you are now? Oh, absolutely. In what ways? Um, I guess the main way is just how I live my life with Crohn's disease and the additional one, which is EOE, which is um, a similar uh, autoimmune disease that causes inflammation of the esophagus. They restrict your diet a lot. And uh, growing up, constantly getting sedated and going through food trials and things like that to kind of see what foods I could keep in my diet that I'd be okay with and what foods I couldn't really shaped my you know, childhood. I was glad I was homeschooled at that point because otherwise I would not have done well yeah, no kidding. With, without a flexible uh, learning plan because I was in and out of hospitals every six months or, or even sooner wow. um, with constant sedations and things like that and scopes and it was rough. And I feel like that shaped two things. One, just my personality with regards to illness, just like I'm a very empathetic person with the kind of stuff that people have to go through. I've always... Uh, loved using my talents for like entertainment for kids who were in the hospital or having right. to go through things like that. I had a few friends that passed away that I was able to, uh, visit and help and help the families of during that period of time. A friend of mine named Braylon who only lived to be uh, four years old, wow. he would have been 13 or 14 now. Um, oh he, uh, he had a mitochondrial disease. Oh, those are nasty. Yeah. The cells just don't have enough energy to keep you going. Yeah, no kidding. So, being able to to have that perspective, knowing exactly what it's like to go through it, um, I feel like it has shaped me as a person and the way that I approach creativity and music, just because right. it's just an integral part of who you are. It's how you live your day-to-day life. And it's a lot more alienating 
the more you try and live with people who don't have that issue. It's just like, hey, we're going to go do this, ABC. We're going to go right. you know, get food here. We're going to go, you know, we'd like to cook yeah, you a no meal. Yeah, no kidding. We were just talking about it before yeah. the podcast. Like, hey, would you like, we could cook you up something. I'm like, no. <laughs> Let's, it's just too I hard. It's, it's too I don't want to put people out. And, and, and that's half of the issue because I know people mean well. It's yeah, just and, like, and you can't drink, can you? I've tried. I've tried some alcohols that fit all the criteria of my um my other like dietary restrictions there are very few alcohols that like yeah so what's what is that restriction like what's the specifications for it so with my eoe no milk eggs wheat soy corn (laughs) most grain nuts um there goes my diet yeah yeah no kidding there goes my diet Uh uh-huh and there's like six other like random foods and spices in there some of them are completely undiagnosed that we don't know that i still have in my diet that still cause me discomfort we just can't pinpoint them so it's is it like weird certain specific little things sometimes like like a weird coloring or i wouldn't know yeah everything i've told you is what we've been able to prove through like 10 or 11 years of like that's hard to figure out stuff i I was watching a video the other day that made me feel really uncomfortable about like all of the procedures I've been through because it was talking about like two brain scans, one that has never been through general anesthesia and another which has. And it's just like, you can see the brain damage and they're like, it's comparable to like years of alcoholism or. I think thankfully though, like when you're, uh, when it comes to brain damage, I've known a lot of people who have had different forms of it. I think thankfully that when the fact that your brain is plastic, Mm -hmm. you're able to push through that. I mean, there have been people that have lost specifically and and developed. Yeah. Development, if you're in your developmental stages and it's not like long periods of anesthesia. Yeah, yeah. Well, how was the longest that you've been under? uh, I had my G-tube inserted. So there was a time when I was failing to thrive and I had the NG tubing, which is typical for people with Crohn's disease who have malnourishment issues, will pump formula through a tube that goes from their nose into their stomach so that while they sleep, they're technically still digesting uh, immediately into the stomach food so that they can keep up their caloric intake um and and remain healthy and that's how some people eat they just eat all night long um that's something and then they some people just don't eat and so they just do that to live they just you know shove a wire down their nose into their stomach and then they eat all night long they wake up feeling you know relatively tired because you're still digesting all of that easily digestible fluid in your sleep and then uh you go about your day and you just don't eat food like a normal human so that's strange. And I, mean, I lived not, that, uh, I lived that way for a while. But what was I, that? What was that like? Um, I mean, eating is such a, especially, I mean, I, I've I, looking at European cultures and different cultures, America especially has a very big social element to food. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, I mean, you meet someone and some of the first things you'll talk about is, Oh, you, uh, like what kind of food do you like? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so what was, what or was, let's go out to eat something. Yeah. Like what's your favorite restaurant? What would, I mean, that probably had some effect on social life. Dude. Yeah. Not having food during the day. Mm-hmm. When was that? Like, how old were you? I was a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. What was that like? I mean, do you have any interesting stories about not eating? Well, like I was saying, the NG tubing did not work for me. Oh, okay. Uh, so I could not every night get that wire down my throat my gag reflex was too strong oh. every time i'd try then the wire would go in then out my mouth oh man oh, and dang. it just feel i just thinking about it makes me sick i couldn't do it they would send yeah, people like nurses to your home to try and teach you how to do it i would always vomit 
And yeah. so eventually they said, well, what we'll do is we'll put one that's a little bit more durable that we will sedate you to replace once a month. And okay. so you'll just have to live with this tape right here and this tube that will always be seen. Like if you open your mouth, you'll see a tube going down there. And whenever you swallow, you'll always feel a little like wire. A little something. Right there. How and long did you have that for? About three hours after the procedure, then I vomited. <laughs> So they put me under and they got it in and then it just didn't work. So here I was waiting for a nurse, like a wire just going, can someone please take this out of me? It's just, it was awful. So they gave me a G tube instead, which is a direct port to your stomach wall. And, uh, I had that for quite a few years. And because of it, I was able to grow because I was like 13 years old and I weighed under 80 pounds. Wow. And I was short, short. That's crazy. And so I was able, thanks to that G-tube every night, it sucked because you, for t- two things, the scar tissue around my stomach wall where it has healed up since, I don't feel uh. hungry anymore. I know I need to keep eating, but the kind of hunger I feel is I just feel like a tugging on the back of my scar tissue towards my stomach wall. So, so when I'm really hungry, you'll see my scar do this. That's move. weird. It feels tight. That's really interesting. But where it used to be, it, you just had a hole in your stomach that you would keep yeah, bundled I think up I, pretty well. And there was just this little pipe that uh, had a little button on it that you could open and it would go straight into your stomach like, contents. It's like Dune. Have you seen Dune? I have seen Dune. It's like Dune with the heart plugs. Yeah. But did like do you have any examples of the impact that it had in your social life of like not eating? Like It, it didn't that change not that much. much. It's no. just like that wasn't a part of what I could do. I would go right. to those events anyway. You just wouldn't eat. Right. So what what were the biggest things that you entertained yourself with? You were homeschooled and I you know, you said you have this affinity to all these sorts of musical instruments. Mm-hmm. I feel it seems to me that that was a big escape for you. I realize now how many things I have always done to entertain myself that have contributed to why I am successful doing the weird things I do because it isn't a coincidence. Like this kind of thing, I don't think happens this like randomly to people. I feel like there needs to be a a reason for it. When I was a younger kid, when I just only had like peanut allergies, uh, which I've always had, but we always just thought, well, he's skinny, he's small, he has peanut allergies. I've had autoimmune issues the entire time. We just didn't know it up until a certain point. Um, But I would go and take my dad's VHS camera, and this was the time when they had those little Neopets toys oh, yeah. in the McDonald's meals, and so I got a bunch of them. I collected them, and then I would do stop-motion animation with oh, them dude. On, my, on my desk, and I told entire stories that would take like up to three tapes that I watched back on. It's like it would cut to me doing something like in the big world, and then it would go to like what they're doing like Toy Story style when I'm gone. And then them fighting and doing random stuff. And do you still have those tapes? I somewhere. I you might be find able to find those. Be good music video. That would make a good music video. It's so embarrassing though. It's like five year old me. I tried. That it just means Minecraft it's a channel, bro. I tried to start a Minecraft. <laughs> I had a joking. gaming channel. I'm not even. Yeah. I had a. I had a gaming channel. Yeah, exactly. As well. You know what I mean? There's so many. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that I think 
from people like us that you can see from the even the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, I There's think artists just have this too. quality to be genuine. They're like, I don't care if people are going to make fun of me for doing this. I'm going to do it regardless. I always like, did it for my own entertainment. Exactly. Yeah. Like I did like doing it, it for me. I don't for, care if people you, are going to like it. When it's always for you, you you have unlimited energy. I just remembered something. When I was about ni- uh, 13, 13, I made a series of videos called Triple M. I was like, this is triple tri- M. Hey guys, this is Nathaniel and this is Triple M. What's Triple M? It's music, it's magic, and mayhem. Oh, nice. It's MMM. And I would do these videos. It was almost like a, a YouTube type thing, but I didn't have access to the internet at that point. The okay. only when access way, uh, when I was 13. And so it doesn't exist on the internet because we didn't have internet up until like maybe 2011. So. The first access on the internet I had was like playing Webkins. Oh yes, mm-hmm. Webkins. Yeah. Looks like you found yourself a gem. Oh god. You can keep that gem for your collection, or I can buy it from you if you like. Let me see what I can offer. Mm, I see these all the time. So you, how old are you now? Me? Yeah. Uh, I just turned twenty-four. Twenty-four. Okay, so. Yeah, web. Okay, I'm just trying to think because I played Webkins. Like four times. Oh, dude, it, it was almost a daily thing for me. I'd go I, in and I check my I was Club daily Penguin. Stuff. I played okay. Club Penguin. I was a Club Penguin, but I also dabbled in Webkins. But I didn't play them much. I got on when my friend would be like, "Oh, hey, you need to get on." I'd be like, "Oh, okay." But I, but I was mostly a World of Warcraft. I okay. that I, was I, me. my parents were very worried about exposing me to too much. So uh, most of my internet exposure happened through the DSI Flipnote Hatena. Which was, <laughs> you remember that? Remember? I it's do. Like, it, that was that the brings best. back memories. That was like the original Vine for me because I didn't have Vine when all Vine was popular. All the animations, all the animations, and all the Those like. Were, la 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 la. Whatever la, happened la, la, to all those? I wonder. They, 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 most of them have been archived. There was a 3DS flip note antenna that popped up. That was a 3D one for the 3D screen yeah. that would let you do multiple uh, layers. layers. Of your animation, and there are still people who use the platform uh, or it was the cool. animation to do animations yeah. that they export. But um, a lot of the the animators that we see on YouTube today came from like that creative time. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would I would agree. So hey, not to change this topic here, but we are about halfway through the podcast. Mm, okay. Um, I wanted to just ask you a series of questions here. So the first one is, what would you say your favorite color is? I. I'm very partial to kind of like the a, a grayish blue, kind of like the the mid tint sky gradient. And when it's not that, when I'm wearing clothes, it's either a burgundy or the kind of like this dark navy, right? Or kind of just a, like a creamy off white like chair, earthy. Yeah, I guess. Like your shoes. Yeah, like my shoes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'm wearing. I'm wearing it. Hold right, on. right, right. These 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 colors. Folks, for anyone watching, for everyone else, I'm I'm holding my shoe towards the camera. Yeah, what what are the shoe? What are they called? Oh, I got these out of the thrift store. These are uh, 96 uh, Reeboks. I don't nice. quite remember the exact name. They have they, they looked a lot better a while ago. Watch as the price spikes. I think worn shoes look much better to me. I don't yeah. like people walking around in the brand new flash mm-hmm. ones. Yeah. I like a pair of worn shoes. Yeah, no, these were so, these are from 96, and I, I copped them, and they're the exact size I needed. So um, you obviously have a lot of instruments. What would you say if you had to pick top three instruments? What would you say your top favorite three are? Uh, hand pan, of course. One. Um, 
I'd probably say ukulele too, and three. That's a hard one. I think the third would be. Is there a camera problem? Yeah. Oh, don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah, you keep oh, just, going. Okay. Keep going. Um, yeah, for the third one, probably some form of flute. I like wind instruments, specifically like multi-chambered wind instruments. Sound really cool. They're very meditative. I like the way that they sound. Yeah. Okay. So um, another one. Right what, now. What is one failure that has ultimately turned out to become a success for you? Hmm. Doesn't I mean failure can be something more less weighty than the word failure? You know, it can be mm-hmm. something that's like I tried this and. Honestly, I can say music thus far. Um, the way that it ended up working for me is I started making music like on GarageBand when uh, I was still out at a West Shore Community College where I met okay. both of I you. I do remember that. And um, those beats were not bad, but I really didn't know anything else about like how to use a DAW or how to record music or how to mix or master. I was just messing around. And then I met you guys and I was like, well, this is a very different way of looking at things and you'd been doing, you know, uh, Ableton and stuff like that most of your life. So I was just over here like, wow, this is very different than anything I understand. And I got into it and because of my, my little TikTok fame popping off just from me being myself on the internet and just allowing people to see who that person was um, and not being afraid of it, I made a lot of friends and a lot of those friends were very famous and I didn't know it. And because of those connections, I've had like phone calls with some of the biggest people in the industry that to this day, I, I don't b- believe that I've, I've been able to talk to. I had a phone call with Billie Eilish and Claro and uh, one male guy I don't quite remember <laughs> the name of. He's some some rapper from, oh, uh, no, uh, Freddie, Freddie Dredd, um, my oh, buddy okay. Freddie. Um, and uh, Lil Darky, a few other people in the current rap scene that, have DM'd me like, yo, man, love your handpan stuff, dude. It's like, uh, yeah. it's, what were some things that you saw in common between all of them? Between all the people that saw me? Um, that, yeah, that you came into contact with. All of them had the social media in common. They were themselves first, and then the platforms that they posted on became something not because they were pushing too hard, not because they had anything to do with the industry. Freddie literally started making rap music about Judge Judy, like how he how he wanted to bang her. That was his first I song. I think I've heard that. Yeah. And now he is, you know, a, a huge viral success. You hear his music everywhere and he never promoted it because it just has that aesthetic to it that fits so well with the beginning of the platform that became TikTok, and yeah. now that platform runs the industry and the fact that you know i have a million followers on it doesn't mean much anymore because back when right. i first got on it having a hundred thousand followers got you verified just because we didn't have too many people on the platform and now you can get a million followers from a single video just because we have so many people on the platform. Yeah, it um, isn't. It is actually quite. I mean, is, it's crazy. It's it's something to think about because I mean, think about a million people. That's a lot of people. But yeah. There, but aren't there about I think three hundred fifty million or so in America? Yeah. Yeah. So you that you're like a like three hundredth 
of America follows you, I'm a which is strange, to, strange to think about. Like, because you can only really know so many people, which kind of leads me to my next question. Like, uh, obviously, people like Aphex Twin, and uh, just, there are a lot of people who believe that it's good, not good or bad, but that live their life by keeping themselves off social media. Mm-hmm. And I think I don't really have a belief either way. I think it goes with your personality. Or I, I don't really know. Personal but what's preference. what would you say? Your, what would you say? Some of the biggest negative effects that having such a, I mean, like so many people see you mm. all the time, has um, affected your life. Well, to be quite frank and honest about it, because I'd prefer to be honest than try to, you know, talk up about like the the positives of it. TikTok itself is a cultural cancer. Like. As much as it has provided me opportunity, I can't pretend that it isn't incredibly negative for our generation. It is the most streamlined form of what social media is. And in that, it provides, yes, the greatest opportunity, but also the greatest danger, not just to like young children, but like that thing is a dopamine machine. And so. It's like Pingu on repeat for three hours. yeah, Yeah. It is. And so. I think that if I could do it again, I wouldn't. Yeah. Because would you do you would you say that when it started happening, you it almost like it felt like it got out of control and just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger? No, no not okay. at all. It started very, very differently than any other social media platform I've ever been on, which is why I loved it. Because yeah. the people that were being disenfranchised on the the platform, what was musically were the people that were making the kind of posts about their hobbies and their strange Tumblr-like fixations and the things that made them kind of the internet cringe culture that has always kind of existed since the early 2000s. And they were the predominant crew that were on that platform. That was what was left of the user base before it was bought out by ByteDance. ByteDance buys it, they do a rebrand, and then memes start getting made by trolls, and I was one of them. And I loved every moment of it because we would go on and we would invade these communities and just literally just mock them. They're just like, this is really yeah. stupid. And they and you guys take yourselves too seriously. You guys need to stop that because we're having fun making fun of how seriously do you take it. And they would make <laughs> like like posts back at us like we are marching to get rid of the new bullies of tiktok and there would be like an entire duet chain of a hundred people in black what? and white cosplay like middle-aged people in furry oh cosplay Wait, and stuff yeah i, I remember we are against bullying it's like no you guys are against literally 13 year old white boys going you guys suck it was amazing. It was the best time ever. It was also oh, it was the man. best of times and the worst of times because it needed to happen so that the user base could feel free. And yeah. it worked. The amount of like sub communities it created in the meme culture of that time created some of the most innovative and creative jokes that would become the foundation for how a TikTok becomes a TikTok for Definitely. the future. It created a new format. It's a new format completely. So what would you say that some of your, I mean, we kind of talked a bit, and this is kind of changing subject a bit, but in the past, a little bit ago, we kind of talked about how you didn't listen to much music growing up. Other right. Than, what would you say, I mean, kind of, Caden kind of is in a similar boat because he didn't listen to a ton of stuff. And mm-hmm. what would you say, was there a, par- a moment or a part in your life where you say, where you would have, where you think that your taste in music expanded? 
because now I, I know you listen now, to a lot of stuff. Now, right now. now is the the portion of that story as it unfolds. Where do you think that that started? Like where you really started experiencing other forms of music? Probably right about the time I met you guys would be <laughs> then because I wanted to make more music and you guys were telling me about stuff that you enjoyed that was so foreign to me. I didn't yeah. understand it. I was like, who is this Aphex Twin guy? Uh, and yeah. so I, I listened to it and I was like, well, this definitely makes my brain happy. It's weird because I don't feel like there's much of a purpose to it. And it was a new artistic like way of expressing music I wasn't comfortable with. I was just like, this isn't classical. This isn't this Apex isn't Twin anything. isn't worshipping anything. Yeah. Oh, no, definitely. He's not yeah. worshipping anything. Anything but himself. Yeah, well, yeah. sure, yeah. sure. But the, process, that's all that's whatever. music in a nutshell. But like I uh it was new to me. And so branching out into that, the first thing I did was what anyone else does when they discover they don't know enough about music is they just adapt someone else's tastes. And just like sure. Tommy listens to this. I'll probably listen to it. I mean, I can't say that I didn't. I mean, and I think that's a good thing. I think it's a really good thing because I've, I met a lot of people who they have their taste and they're just like, no. Like, I, I know so many people who would, especially with like gospel music, because that's mm. like, this is the only good music. Yeah. And they're just not open to anything else. And I think. Actually, to I be s- fair, what, what, uh, before I forget, what really got me into electronic music was EDM, like Monster Cat, early 20. 20- 12 into 2013. Like I super love, accessible. Oh, very accessible. I, I think that's, I mean, I don't hate accessible music, bless you, by any means. And I think that's its good place. I think accessible music is good as a gateway for people who haven't yet because, like, obviously you can't needs, show someone who's... it needs who's, to exist because yeah. it serves I, such a vital purpose. I think anywhere along the rung, whether yeah, you definitely. start or you stop, just having, just having music that you enjoy is fine. And you don't, you don't have to go... I mean, just because you listen to one artist doesn't mean, oh, you have to listen to... Because you can, you can spend a whole lifetime listening to music. You will not you will not uncover every artist and listen to every No, album. I mean, Caden shows me new music. I yeah. show Caden new music. Exactly. I show Nathaniel new music. I find new music almost every day. And I, I also actively search for it, but like, there's just so much available. There yeah. is. What would you say that, I mean, these days, some of your biggest influences musically are like artists that you that you are like, yeah, I'd like to make or do stuff similar to these guys, alive or dead. Most of the people that I kind of am influenced by are those that are in my immediate peer group when it comes to music. I will listen to their stuff and I find it very entertaining to immediately adapt my style to whatever it is they do. I've always done that socially. Yeah, definitely. And, and part of that comes from, you know, the ADHD or whatever else. But, like, um, being raised in a very, like, performative way where, you know, as, as a, a pastor's kid, it feels like you have a lot of expectations from outside sources that act as mainly an audience into your life. A lot of them know a lot more th- things than, you know, you would like them to know just because right. you're in a very public position where you're, you know, your father is a leader and, you know, his success is your success. Definitely. And so when people see that outside perspective or maybe if they haven't really seen what it's like to be in a religious background... It's not bad as much as it is it has the potential to be, you know, a little bit more open than you would like. You you feel like that lack of privacy. But I grew accustomed to that. And in that, in my, you know, later teenage years when TikTok happened, it made me seek it out. Because I thought, well, if I can find that external accountability, those, those people who care about me, even though I don't necessarily know who they are, 
that kind of interaction has been modeled for me most of my life. Right. And so it felt very natural to fall into where now I have all these people that, yeah. that look at me. And so I find the people like that, you know, the people like Freddie and, and these other musicians from TikTok who just make what they want and then post about it and people suddenly care because we are genuine enough to know that, you know, the people that we portray online are not us. Um, but the people that, you know, we are tend to just attract those who, who want that entertainment, who, who are seeking for that person to attach to. A lot of my friends that I have now from the internet are people who literally just saw me and thought that's someone I want to hang out with and then spent enough time to like, you know, post on every single video or every comment section or come to my discord server until we are actually friends in person. Yeah. What's so, I mean, this is your chance to obviously rope people in. What's your discord? Where can people find access yeah, to your Discord? Yeah, um, I'm currently getting it. Yeah, give some revamped. promotions here. Uh, okay. But I have uh, all of my social media links available on my link tree, which is linktree slash Star. There you um, go, link all tree. Of my, I'll put that in the description. Yeah, so. all, all of my social medias are pretty well branded under that name. So just look up Star on anything, up. and it will yeah. it will probably pop up. And cool. uh, yeah. Where so, do you uh, see yourself in five years? That. Actually, I have a perfect example. Um, Went in a time machine and he yeah. took a picture. No, actually. Um, <laughs> great. I, <laughs> I have a pretty good understanding of what the next five years are going to look like, I think. Uh, it's, it's one of two things. Either I am going to... Are you taking a picture? Yeah. <laughs> Either I'm going to continue on the, the path of making music and releasing it and and kind of figuring out just what it's like to to live as a as an artist not really caring as much as i did in my my like 18s to 20s about like whether or not it's perfect because that perfectionist tendency Mm -hmm. that i have has you know crippled a lot more than it's helped because definitely you guys have released music and the music that i've released is like one song so far that is you know it's not a small accomplishment it's done very well but like the only reason that what, what is it by the way yeah Just it's it's a song called uh buzzkill um which was a remix that was a contest from my friend mathaka uh she posted and the day she posted i uploaded a, a verse um on tiktok and it won a contest we recorded that at my studio didn't yeah, we, we recorded it at Did, your yeah. studio yeah so people who aren't aware me and nathaniel have been I mean, I guess you could call it in the make process of making a release for about, what, two years mm. on and off? Well, like the first with, time with we started melted. recording was 2016. Really? Yeah, we were in your shed in 2016 making music. And then... It was 2016? It was 2016. Holy smokes. I mean, you met each other at West Shore, yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, know, you, wanted, you know, I met you at the Haunted House. That's right. I I showed up at some random people's haunted he, he house with a no up face costume. No face. Yeah, I did. He's dressed up as no face and he walks around. For people who don't know, no face is just this like Studio Ghibli character. Yeah, it's a studio, but there, it's just this gaunt, you know, black ga- form with yeah. a big white mask. It's a black he form. He starts of, eating people. Yeah, and then it, yeah, <laughs> later yeah. in the movie, just starts eating people voraciously. But yeah, it's like, good movie. Watch it if you haven't seen it. Yeah, Obviously, I was, watch I was all of them. Following their you and the rest when, of the Boy Scouts when you, around. When you when you had I hadn't even seen the movie when you had. So you were just like, what the hell? I was just like, what the heck? Exactly. So, 
And then you started doing magic tricks later. And <laughs> you see, that's the thing. Wherever I go, and uh, this happened right after I got out of high school, wherever I would go, I was entertaining. Yeah. I've always been doing that. Either it's I do magic tricks. I'm always looking for people's approval, which is why TikTok was a good and bad thing for me. Because in seeking for approval, I built this very unhealthy relationship that I'm just now like starting to, to get away from and realize that like I can still have everything that I've built, but it needs to be treated differently so that it I has can its be own healthy. place. Yeah. It has its own yeah. place and it's not everything to me. Yeah. And I feel like in the next five years, continuing off of that understanding, I will release a bunch of music I'm proud of. Uh, I will perform a bunch of places with people I care about. And whether or not it becomes a full-time career or something I continue to pursue as a hobby will depend on that success. I'm sure that mm -hmm. the people that have supported me thus far would be more than happy for me to be in yeah. any town, anywhere, doing whatever. Mm -hmm. um, Definitely. And that's what I'm so thankful for because a lot of this stuff just kind of happened to me. Like, you know, with the disease, you can't control it. It's just a lack of control. Uh, and it, it propagates with like TikTok, it's a lack of control, but it's continually putting yourself in a place where you are scrambling to find control where there isn't any, and that wears you down a lot. So I think that the healthiest thing to do would be to flip the paradigm and put myself in a place that has a lot of control where I don't need any, where I can control my environment and my settings and my emotions and my music exactly to the way I want it, but I don't need to worry about the expectation of those things. I, I've spent enough time in the first paradigm. I want to spend some time in the second, and I where feel like... Where you're deciding what to do. Exactly. Yeah. Where, where it's less that I need to formulate anything. I, mean, I think that's all... I mean, as far as I can speak... I think that's a very good angle for most musicians. I mean, it's, I feel like it's a natural progression. I mean, I, right now, I'm, I mean, uh, for those who don't know me, I, I do, I've been doing electronic music for a few years, and it definitely has grown into more of a space of I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to control as much as possible. And, I mean, like, I'm getting a, I'm going into an electrician job. And I'm, only, I'm doing that because it allows me to keep doing whatever music stuff I want not whatever music stuff I have to do. You know what I mean? So, I, I mean, I think that's definitely a, a, a very smart and good mindset to go into. Um, so, I have a good question here. What would you say your biggest fear is these days? Um, the only thing I fear is uh, eternity, which is a super, like, big brain thing to say, but like I have lived through enough weird, like semi supernatural experiences that were this like a ghost hunters podcast, we would have had, a, you know, a, a much larger and more focused discussion on, but like long story short in college, I affiliated myself with some people who are doing some very strange spiritual mumbo jumbo. Elaborate a little bit more. Cause I, I don't think I've heard about this. Oh, you have, but I um, think maybe I, I've One, heard of things of that yeah. sort. Oh, I think you've, I, yeah. I've, if so, you have, so, I've forgotten. Yeah, to, just to explain it a little bit, going to college as this gung-ho Christian kid who 
uh, wants to save all his friends because that's just what I want to do. I care about them, and I, you know, I'm very green. I, I don't quite necessarily know what it's like to be in a public school perspective, and it wasn't necessarily a bad thing, but I definitely got a reputation for it, and I eventually attracted the attention of a couple other people that were of the exact opposite faith, to the point where they are literal, like uh, either temple Satanists or practicing Was this witches. when we met? Yes, roughly about. When the same I was time. in the practice room every day. Okay. Probably about that time. Um, and I became close friends with these people and I got to know them very well. It's just the amount of darkness that they lived in, in their day-to-day lives that pushed them to the point where in order to find control, it led them to this very different religious path than what I was typically, you know, accustomed with was interesting to me. So I, I, I spent a lot of time with them and I realized just how, you know, similar we were in the fact that we all struggled with things that really had changed us and put us in a position of no control. But Christianity, from my understanding, teaches that being in a position of no control is the right place because it relies more on faith that God has you taken care of. And you live in that place as an act of worship. Right. Versus uh, a more... A satanic or Wiccan or spiritual worldview where you decide you're going to take what control over the physical world you do have, uh, either through rituals or through prayer or through um, whatever behavior it might be, witchcraft typically, um, to take the physical world around you and give it meaning. So even if you don't believe in... Well, that actually sounds like a good thing. And it is for a lot of people. I'm not saying that it isn't. Um, It's just in the context of the relationships I had with these people, it created a lot of tension. Just because they really wanted me to... to, They wanted... We wanted to help each other. It almost feels like a blue team, red team sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think... I don't know. I I can't speak enough because I don't know enough about each one. I'm not very educated either. Just from what you said... And how you were talking about control. To me, my opinion, I think control is an illusion. Yeah, Honestly, definitely. You know what I mean? I think the even, older you get, even, the more harder you work. Like, to you realize like cleaning that. your room or like, you know, there's so many things that you can just say, oh, what's the point? Exactly. It's just rearranging and it's always things. Just, and it's always what you do about it. And mm-hmm. even, and you can, you can go as far down the rabbit hole you want into your decisions, willpower, whatever. But control and faith and, you know, I think that, I think that they were just, they were just looking at, they weren't able to look past barriers. Yeah. And I, and it's hard because I know that you weren't, and even if you had been public schooled or, I guess it's just hard to go, go, because you were, you didn't have relatives that were like you didn't have a sister right next to you at West Shore so it was probably hard for you to have a check it it, it was yeah some some sort of accountability mm -hmm. to what you were doing and it's easy for you to fall down into something when like you said you're gung-ho yeah and so what ended up happening was it, it the amount that I wanted to help them through the way that I understood to give help 
and the way that they tried to help me through how they understood how to give help were from such different places of the understanding of like control of like over a situation. One, first of all, the concept that you need to be in control of your situation because that's all they teach out at you know your first couple of years of college. It's like if you're yeah. not in control of your life, you're coming here to get a career yeah. to control your future. Yeah. So you are you're coming here to experiment and all these other things, but the main thing that they're hammering home is you know, for for some of you it, coming from a more public school background, it's probably more natural, but for someone who focused on the things that they were passionate about and still, you know, learned everything that was necessary to get, you know, scholarships and uh, good grades and things like sure. that. As soon as those walls kind of fell away and I was less regimented with it and I yeah. had all this opportunity, my ADHD just kicked in super hard. I know, and that's so, like yeah. easy to go into extremes. And I've always been a very black and white person. I'm, sure. I, I've been, you know, I think that's a tendency of ADD, ADHD, because yeah. I, have, I have ADHD. It's so. either on or off. It's never yeah. like. And then, like, when you need to clean, it's like, I'm not going to clean. And then when you do, it's like, I need to clean or I'm going to die. Purge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so. I know that feeling. So it was that feeling, but like relationships wise. It was. It was yeah, relational. relationships made it and hard. It, it, it blew itself out of proportion when. After the few like tenuous good relationships I had with people where we just got to the point where we understood each other's differences and we were, you know, this was the first time I really got to the place with, with people where it's like, you know what? We don't need to be on the same page to be there, there for each other in the ways yeah. that we can. And we mm -hmm. can build those barriers and boundaries to become good friends. Those people I'm still friends with. Yeah. yeah. There were people that didn't for themselves understand that line and we were not able to reach that. Sure. And as a result of that, it just built into animosity. Yeah. And in that animosity, they used what they knew to get away from me or to uh, to try and hurt me because of how I had offended them or something along those sure, lines. Yeah. And I tried my best, you know, and even then I tried my best to, to live at peace with everyone. But sometimes that just doesn't work. And yeah. what ended up happening is by the people that I interacted with, I just had more and more negative interactions with people from that viewpoint to the point where it culminated in a, a very traumatic, demonic experience for me. Damn. And so that was, yeah, bad. man. Jeez. Well, okay. We are in the last five minutes of the podcast. It, yeah. it goes fast. Yeah, it, goes it, fast. it really so does. Couple, so, some of the things I wanted oh, to talk about. Wait, wait, I have one question. Yeah. Okay. If, if you could have one gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say? And where would it be? Hmm. If I could have one gigantic like everyone saw this. Like Cars everyone saw this? passing by. Thousands and millions time. of billions of people would see this. Hmm. Hmm. I think what I would have is a yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure of this. I would have a... I'd have a, a picture of a bunch of people standing in front of an empty stage. And, um, and on that stage, a bunch of spotlights pointing to a single spot on the stage. Um, and it would say... We all know what's missing. That'd be it. It's a good one. 
And obviously your TikTok handle. Hmm? And obviously your TikTok handle right underneath. Yeah, that. right, yeah. right there. Yeah. <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the bottom, bottom right hand corner. It's Nathaniel. <laughs> so that, so that, that's so, a good one. So that one, to me, that communicates like, be there for yourself. I didn't say that this was a stage I was going to be on. Right, yeah. right, right. This is just no, an I know empty it, stage I know. with millions of people around it, and we all know what's missing. It's what's on that stage. Right. Different yeah. to everyone. Exactly. Well, like, everyone like has the their brief, own opinion. Like the everyone has their own opinion. I'd like to go back to what I was just saying. Everyone has their own opinion on what should be up there. Yeah. It's like the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. So uh, another thing, I, I always ask this for our guests, uh, if you had to give one piece of advice that kind of, you know, something you really wish you had known five, t- you know, before you started getting all this attention, if you could tell yourself one thing, what would it be? I would say it was, don't worry about what you don't know, but spend as much time as you can figuring out the bare necessities of what you need to do something new, to try something new, whether that's music or art or whatever it is, Put yourself in a situation where you don't know what's going to happen and go through every step of that process until it reaches a goal. That goal doesn't need to be your success. It needs to be you ending your first attempt at whatever it is. You need to set aside that much time for yourself and your personal development and your personal growth to try and do something to the end, even if it goes nowhere, you are happy that you went on that journey with yourself. And if you are too worried about what that end goal is going to look like or the results of that goal, you're never going to start the journey. Yeah. And this is coming from someone who's starting that journey, who had the opportunity to start it, you know, when I was 18 or 17 when I was hanging out with you. I didn't know anything. But now the things I do know that I have learned, unfortunately, through the School of Hard Knocks, um, have provided me the opportunity to, you know, really give my one shot at what I really love doing and hopefully uh, see where it takes me. Yeah, very, so that's very what I would good suggest advice. for everyone. Now you can look that's back. Powerful. That's yeah, powerful message. very good advice. Uh, and then we'll pretty much wrap things up here, but what are you currently working on? I mean, yeah. if you give people an update, what can they expect um, from Nathaniel so the, over the next like, few months? Yeah. For like the last couple of years I've been on TikTok, I've been teasing a couple various songs that I've written that I wanted to get produced or released. But the one thing that we never mentioned in any of this is like, I'm an artist. I am not a producer. Yeah. I am. I've been told by a couple people, I'm one of the most artistically creative people that they've met but I have the worst work ethic because I mean, we've had a song in production for three years. Yeah. And so <laughs> like, I don't blame anybody when it comes to those things, but just the situation that I surround myself with is I start a lot, but I finish very little. So there's a song called nightmare that, uh, I oh, just man, went and yeah. got recorded and that recording, I just got it back and I realized, huh, I don't like the r- direction this is going. So 
I'm going to go and... always okay to start uh, Yeah, I am... You'll have to come do some more recording sessions at our studio then. Yeah, I'm definitely going to need to, just because I can't always go and travel to my, my handpan friend, Jeremy, who got me into playing handpan in the first place. Yeah, uh, shout out him and... Yeah, uh, Heavenly Blues on Spotify and all of his uh, social medias. Heavenly Blues, but the B is a three, so Heavenly <laughs> Three Blues. blues. Um, but yeah, he's the guy who got me into handpan at all. Uh, met yeah. him on the handpan forum back in 2015 and he got me my first tank drum that he gave mm. to me. And since then has sold me every, uh, well, sold me my first handpan and, uh, has since then connected me with the rest of the community. We've got a few minutes. Do you want to whip that handpan out? Yeah. Just, just to show people it. We literally have one minute left. Yeah, don't worry. Oh, I'm sure we'll edit me walking over here, walking back. Probably. Well, that, that bits that, yeah, I mean, that's, that can stuff can stay in the podcast. So, um, so yeah. this one here was actually a handpan that was provided for me after I had an accident, uh, out on the break wall with oh, yeah. one of my other instruments. Uh, I, these things are typically carried around on a backpack and I slipped and fell on my back, bending one of the, the edges of my drum. So, uh, a very strong supporter of mine, his name is, well, he goes online as the name Ghost. Uh, I won't say his true name, but he is a, uh, an investor, and uh, he's really into crypto and things like that. And uh, as a result, he literally bought this drum that you, you see here for his kids uh, because he saw my videos. And he thought, hey, can you tell me the exact model of your drum? Because I'd like to get the same one for my kids. Um, and he bought it. And when he found out that mine was damaged and I wasn't able to record with it, he sent this one to me to borrow. Um, he's, he's given well over $4,000 to me in, in, in times of like when I really needed some help, either, you know, fixing a drum or, or, um, just, just feeling like, you know, I, I need, I had bills I need to pay. He's, Sounds he's, like a good guy. he's, he's one of my best buds on the internet and I'm super glad yeah. for everything that he's been able to contribute. Well, Hey, give us a little, uh, demo of the pan pan here and we'll, yeah. we'll this one will fade this out one right as, about, yeah, this one right here is a, uh, is the, uh, uh, hand pan made by Makai handpans, uh, tuned to the key of, uh, the Kurdish D and, uh, Here's here's a little tune on that. That's about it. Thank you guys for tuning in to the KT Music Podcast. This was our fourth episode with Toki Joestar, one of our close friends. Thank you very, very much for tuning in, and we will see you guys next Thursday. So goodbye, everyone. See you guys. Thanks for having me. Adios. Thanks for coming.